Hello, welcome to Data Endures February Tech Talk. I'm Kirsten Burke, and I'm going to give a quick intro to a special edition Tech Talk this month. If you spend any time on Data Endures website or talking to anyone who works for our company, you will quickly hear that one of the things that we are all about is digital resilience. And that's really giving organizations the ability to survive and thrive in the event of any kind of attack, whether it be cyber, whether it be weather, whether it be a system failure, um, that can be a little bit confusing in today's vernacular where we hear a lot about cyber resilience. Um, cyber issues are taking such a front seat to uh, the news, to information that's out there, and certainly for organizations, it's the top of mind um, and, and oftentimes top of the board discussions. But cyber resilience isn't digital resilience. And we wanted to take a few minutes to really discuss um, why digital resilience is so important and why cyber resilience isn't enough. Um, if you've seen the way our adversaries have changed over the years, clearly they're much more aggressive, they're much more creative. Um, they're able to keep pace or stay in front of a lot of the technology changes oftentimes more than we are. And so it's really important to understand what digital resilience means. Um, and from a cyber standpoint, certainly there are security tools, there are security controls, there are security practices. But we've really seen in, the, in recent time a lot of uh, convergence between uh, security and infrastructure, so that the operational IT side of the house. For example, if you have some kind of a data breach, um, do you have the ability to restore and recover your data? Uh, let's say the ransomed information doesn't get back to you in a usable format. That's not security, that's infrastructure. And so at Data Endure, we really put a priority on, I guess, the interdependency between cyber resilience and infrastructure resilience that together make digital resilience. And so we uh, brought a clip together of a discussion between Shaheen Peruz and myself talking specifically about this. So I hope you enjoy and we'll see you next month. Our entire go-to-market, um, as you know, since you're our CMO, is um, about digital resilience. And, and I think it's important to talk a minute about what digital resilience is. Um, the reason I say that is I just talked about how the CISO has now board visible and it's become a primary role. The CISO is tied to cyber resilience and the tagline we see all over Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn is cyber resilience, not digital resilience. And the distinction there is cyber resilience is focused on those things that a security set of tools would address, the security controls. Um, you could even tie in potentially compliance level controls to that security. Those things oftentimes map, not always in every company, but they should. And so the cyber resilience is about, you know, the endpoint protection, the firewalling, the email protection, the the DNS defenses to prevent people from going to known bad sites. Those are all things that are cyber related, but they can't be confused with digital resilience. We define digital resilience as a combination of infrastructure resilience, as you were saying, plus cyber resilience. You need both. Infrastructure resilience comes in a couple of forms. When we talk about the network, um, typically when think people think of security, they usually have the firewall management managed by the security team, not the operations team. So firewalls automatically go into the security category. So therefore cyber. But the rest of the network, 
is still pretty critical. You've got your corporate assets and jewels across all of your network information, the data that will get encrypted if ransomware hits, the data that will get ransomed is across your servers, not your firewalls. And firewalls alone are not enough to protect you from getting people inside. So the infrastructure resilience really comes into several layers. The, the first layer is how do you stop at the core network level, the lateral movement of uh, an attack? How do you reduce your attack surface? And, and so the first level is really segmentation. Some of the largest breaches in the world that we're all familiar with, the big names, were directly related to a lack of segmentation, which allowed lateral movement to happen, which allowed the hackers to find the crown jewels and encrypt or steal the crown jewels. So that's that's number one. The second level is access to your network. So um, especially now after COVID, people have gone home and now that people are remote and distributed and you know most companies are saying, we're going to be some percentage. We're not sure what yet staying remote. Uh, maybe it's 50%, maybe it's 70%. Don't know. Um, but when you think about that, that's very different than the maybe 25% of remote workers we had before COVID. So it's that massive increase now means that the secure access, secure edge has really pushed out to the home. And the implication of that is traditional VPN doesn't work. Traditional VPN is a is the opposite of zero trust. It's full trust. The minute a device gets a VPN IP address on your network, unless you have solid segmentation and application segmentation, you your that IP address now has access to your network. They're fully trusted and Im implicitly trusted versus explicitly trusted in a segmented or zero trust model. So that's the second layer is how do you protect your corporate assets if somebody's home machine is compromised and they drop onto your network? And then the final layer above and beyond all that is recovery, which you were hinting at. So you, you created this set of controls and tool sets to protect assets so people can't get to them, so encryption doesn't happen. There's no control that's foolproof. There's always going to be something that happens and you need to be able to recover. Um, we, we had a recent um, incident with uh, one of our customers, which lateral movement spread rapidly to about 700 systems in a very short period of time. We were, because we were in there and we were managing their endpoint security for them, we were able to stop it before it did any encryption and caused any impact across all of those endpoints. Um, but one of the servers in the rollback and recovery was corrupted. And so they had to restore one server from backup. Now, that, that sounds like a huge win. That sounds like, oh my God, only one server out of 700 systems was impacted and had to be restored from backup. And thank goodness they had a solid backup strategy and they were able to do that. If they didn't, that one server would have to be rebuilt and whatever data was on it may or may not be recovered. They may have been lost business. They may have been lost productivity. So that's that's the things to think about when you think about a digital resilience budget as opposed to just a cyber budget or just a infrastructure budget. Your IT and security teams have now split but there is definitely some correlation between those two teams and the spend to make sure that not only are you protecting the crown jewels, but you're able to provide reliable services to your customers and your employees, and you're able to recover if something should happen.